All right, everybody, we are live. Well, not really live. You probably listened to it out of the recording to the Demand Excellence podcast. And very one of the very first guests that we're going to have on, haven't done it in three and a half years, like I've said before. But Coach Edwards from Houston County, he's on the show today. He, he's a big reason why I brought it back, you know, because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is the struggle of being a Christian football coach. And it's hard. And so, Coach, tell tell the listener a little bit about you. You were at Houston County. You were at Warner Robins. Man, y'all went through a run there at Warner Robins where I think you were the OC and y'all were scoring like, I don't know, I think you scored 60 in the state championship game. But tell the listener a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I kind of bounce around the state a little bit. I'm a, I'm a Metro Atlanta guy. You know, I got my start as a student teacher coaching at Kennesaw Mountain. And from there, I, I went back to, I'm a Gwinnett County guy. So I, I was back in Gwinnett County for four years. Two of those I was at, at Bergmar High School with John Thompson. And we spent two years there. And then he, he resigned. So I went and got a chance to work with uh, Bob Spire at North Gwinnett, which has probably made the biggest impact on me as a coach, just being able to see how to run a program effectively and see how he handled certain situations. I was kind of a, a go boy for him. You know, I was cutting up film and coach ninth grade and I was just a sponge. And after a year there, I got an opportunity to be an OC at Northview High School in North Fulton and uh, spent a year there. And the guy that I worked with at Kennesaw Mountain got the job at North Pauling High School in Dallas, Georgia. And it was a little closer to my my wife's family, so we made the move and had a good little run at North Paulding for four years as the offensive coordinator. And we we got moved up to 7A, Coach, and then it was hard to compete in 7A when we were at North Paulding. And we we got the uh, luxury of going down and playing against Rush Probes at Concord County. And uh, I was I kind of got to experience the South Georgia way. And to be quite honest, I was kind of hooked. And I and so I did some interviews with some South Georgia schools. They ended up at Cairo High School. So we went all the way down to the Georgia-Florida line at Cairo. And uh, I spent three great years there with Steve Dvorsny and, you know, learned a lot and kind of changed my philosophy a little bit offensively after experiencing, you know, South Georgia, you can't really – just spread it out and throw it. You better be able to run the football, and that's that goes for anywhere. But it's they're a little di- it's different down there. And I wasn't looking for a job. Marquise Westbrook got the job at Warner Robins, and again, my, my family, my wife's family, is from Metro Atlanta, and my wife's father was sick at the time, and it was an opportunity to kind of cut the drive drive down. And I went to Warner Robins. We played for three straight three straight state championships. Lost to Buford the first year, beat Carol or uh, excuse me Cartersville, and then Calhoun, and and then I got the opportunity to be head coach here at Houston County. Been here two years, and I feel like I got the best job in America. Amen. Well, coach, you you kind of set me up a little bit right there and talk about offense. I mean, you're an offensive guy, and you talk about changing your philosophy. Obviously, you work for Bob Spire, and he's a throw it. That's all he wants to do type guy. I mean, he'll run the ball, but he's he wants to throw the football. Um, sure. So that really became a part of who you were. And then, like you said, you moved down to South Georgia and and you came back and, hey, man, you know, you, you developed the identity. Hey, you got to run the football as well. And I remember watching some of your games 
at Warner Robins, I mean, you guys ran the football very effectively. So talk about the evolution of you as an offensive-minded coach. Well, yeah, I kind of I, I started off as a wing T coach, and then the guy that works for at Burtmore decided everybody was going to the Tony Franklin system. So we went and drank the Kool-Aid and went to the seminars and and all that stuff. And that's kind of what Bob did. And so it was all kind of air raid based, you know, from the throw game, very minimal run game besides the inside outside zone. And yeah, I just got to the point where that was kind of the the big it was in vogue, you know, Chip Lindsay came to the state and threw it around at Lasseter and kind of just became the big thing. And then defense is caught up and people started using the tight end again. And just, you know, I just can remember inside drill down at Cairo, my very first day in spring practice. And there was a bunch of trained killers over there. We just couldn't, we couldn't <laughs> do a thing. And I, I just really started to dive into looking at some of the Baylor stuff and what they did with Art Bryles when he was there and really started kind of getting enamored by what he did. And so from there, we kind of, we still throw the ball, but it's all numbers based, obviously, and angles and space. But we're we're all about, you know, personnel placement, tempo. You know, we're really wide with our splits to give our quarterbacks a defined box you know, for our RPO game. And then in the run game, we're a vertical run game, vertical pass game. I mean, it's uh, we we run choice routes. It's no secret. And we still have some air raid concepts for, you know, third, medium, third and longs and, you know, some drop eight deals. But for the most part, you know, we're going to try to establish a run if they'll give it to us. If not, we're going to read that extra hat and throw RPOs. And so try to keep it real simple for our kids and just let them turn it loose and go play ball. So speaking of that, you know, talking about offense, obviously there at Houston County, you have one of the top players in the country, really, at quarterback. Mm -hmm. So when you have somebody like that, how do you how do you mold your offense? Like, for example, I, I remember at Warner Robins, you had more of a runner at quarterback, almost like a running back, but you guys were scoring tons of points. I'm not saying he was a running back, but to me that's that was what it seemed like and then and then now here you are you got one of the hottest quarterbacks in the country so how do you adapt and change as a coach well every year it seems like you know we, we all coach high school ball so we got what walks through the through the door and and at Warner Robins we did have a dual threat type guy Jalen Addy he was a, a true dual threat he could pull it down and get himself out of trouble sometimes he wouldn't stay in there long enough you know he for me, and but you know he can make plays with his feet. The next year, we had a kid that if he walked through the door right now in your office, you'd have thought he played guard. But he understood the offense. He could throw it thirty-five yards tops, but he got the ball out on time, and you know he was just really good at it. And so we were able to have some success with him. And then obviously, when I got this job, we had AJ Hill, who will be a senior this season, and he is. You know, like you said, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, six foot five, and he can make all the throws and make it look very easy. But, you know, we just adapt it, you know, as far as what we do in the run game. You know, if, if we're going to have a guy that could run it, well, you'll see some more quarterback power, counter, things like that I've seen you do that I really like. And, you know, it's just, I feel like our system is very adaptable to the personnel that we have. 
We like to have guys that can run on the outside. That helps us stretch the field. But if we don't, then we're going to incorporate more quick game and some, you know, get the ball out of our hands type thing. So I just I try to make it adaptable, make it real simple for the guys so they don't have to think. Speak to a little bit. I'm going to come back to recruiting, but I was just sitting there thinking, I mean, you're at Houston County. So you're sitting there. You got Houston County. You got Northside Warner Robins. You got Warner Robins High School. Now Perry, which is about 10 minutes from you. You know, they're becoming a powerhouse. What's it like just recruiting in that area? Because it's not like it's Atlanta. It's not like there's, you know, a million people. But what's it like coaching in that area and competing for kids and kids moving around i mean i don't know what's it like coaching there with four really competitive high schools all within like five miles from each other there's a lot of good football here and i think that the state and the the colleges are starting to take notice of that you know we're about an hour and 15 or so from the airport so colleges are starting to get off the plane and make that short drive to come down here to recruit our kids but There's a good bit of, you know, there's a lot of loyalty here in this county. You know, we have, you know, we've got Perry. Perry won the state championship. Like you said, Northside, Warner Robins, us and veterans. And in this county, there's just, I feel like there's more loyalty here than the metro Atlanta area, to be quite honest. You know, it just seems like there's a lot of moving around and stuff up there. And heck, there's no loyalty in college football now, for that matter. But with all that mess that's going on, but it's, it's people are taking notice of that, the type of athlete, and we got a we got a different type kid. I feel like down here, like kids down here, a little bit to me, a little bit more hard nosed, you know. And and a lot of them grow up with you know not so much Houston County, but you think Warner Robins and Northside, you know, their parents went to school there, and so they're gonna, you know, they're gonna end up going to school there. So it's they have a lot of legacies going on there, but. For us, we're one of the newer, you know, this school was built in 1991. So we're starting to get to where I've got some guys I'm coaching now that's dad's played here. So we're just trying to, we're just trying to build this thing and try to make it, give us, give these kids a, a program they, they can't live without, to be honest. Yep. So coach, let's talk a little bit about recruiting because recruiting is, can be a headache for the high school coach. It obviously, you know, because this is why you know, you're, you're dealing with, you want to get kids recruited, but colleges are coming to see a specific kid. They're not necessarily coming to see everybody else. There's height, weight, and measurables that must be met at each position for the big schools to recruit, you know, and then we have to deal with the parents not understanding, like, like, for example, I mean, you have AJ Hill, he's six foot five, everybody in the nation's coming into recruiting, but they're not, but like, so, you know, Arkansas might fly in to see AJ Hill, but they're not noticing anybody else. And then some parents can get frustrated about that. It's a it's a huge thing to navigate. Talk about recruiting from your perspective a little bit. Well, we try to early in the in the offseason when we get ready to crank up the new season, we have a big parent meeting and we go over all of the ins and outs of recruiting and just kind of different ways to put yourself ahead. And then we just kind of educate these these kids and their parents mainly on the things that have to take place, things that people don't think about getting the kids signed up for the NCAA clearinghouse, all the little things that they have to do in order to be able to even take visits. You know, I mean, that's, there's a lot of that stuff that, that really people don't think much about. And so, yeah, it's hard. It's hard because we've, we do get a pretty good amount of traffic with, with AJ and some other kids and, 
there hasn't been a whole lot of the, you know, FCS Division Twos coming around anymore because of the transfer portal. So what you're seeing is, you know, they're waiting around to see who doesn't get grabbed now for Division One, and they're taking what's left over. And so there's a lot of kids that are having to go as PWOs or, you know, get admitted to a school and walk on, as you know, and kind of earn their way. But it is frustrating, you know, for certain kids that you know can play that, you know, years ago would have gotten opportunities and they're not now. And so, you know, we do a good bit of work with our kids on, you know, the middle side and mindset and, you know, our character ed program that we do in the off season to try to, you know, try to keep these kids as positive as they can and, and give, you know, a team first outlook on things, but also just try to get them where they want to go if that's what their goal is. So talk talk about this. I think it'd be good for any parent that might listen. You know, the, the running back from Missouri this year, you know, he's a stud, right? He's five foot eight, five foot nine, just an absolute stud, rushed for 1,600 yards. He's going to be a kid that gets drafted. But he didn't get recruited in high school. And he was in an area that was very highly recruited, and he had to go to the, to a Division two school. And then he, he finished there, and the story is – he he wanted to go to Missouri, but Missouri wasn't even so he got into the transfer portal, finishes at D2 school, wants to go to Missouri. The the coach from Missouri wouldn't even call him back. Had to be like a million dollar donor or something like that to said, Hey coach, would you just give him a walk-on spot? Talk to coach and give him the kid a walk-on spot. Ends up becoming, you know, an all SEC type player. But the point is, is that kid didn't get recruited. And I think like when you take for a running back. You know, every high school's got a good running back. I mean, if you're a good program, you got a good running back. But but what you have, so the measurables of a running back, if you or me have a running back that's six foot, six foot one, and he runs a four or six and he's productive, he's going to get a lot of scholarship offers. But if we have a running back that's five foot seven and he's a 2,000-yard rusher, he might not get an offer unless he runs 10-7 in the 100. Talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah. I mean, I had a kid this year, to be honest with you, that was that fit that exact mold you're talking about. He was about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, you know, he's back-to-back, 1,700-yard rusher, you know, and threw up all the stats, and but he did not have the size to get those big-time offers and opportunities. I mean, we're currently, you know, working with him to try to find him an opportunity. It's 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 frustrating. And he didn't have the elite speed, like you said, but he's a really, really good football player. And somebody's going to luck out by getting that kid. That's I think that's the frustrating part of it, you know. I think that when you do talk to parents, I mean, obviously, uh, there are things that catch recruiters' eyes. I've got a six, seven freshman offensive line lineman right now. He's played very little football, but – as soon as a guy walks into our weight room and sees him, he catches his eye immediately, you know? So it's, that's a big deal. And there's a lot of kids that get opportunities based off of that, that are really developmental guys. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's very frustrating and I know it's frustrating for the parents and I, I don't really know if I have a great answer for that. I just try to, I try to, you know, beat the pavement, try to find as many places for them and, and use my contacts and try to see, you know, if we can try to find these guys a place to play. And sometimes it's, hey, look, you know, are you okay not playing Division One? You do you love it? Because it's 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 different at the Division Two, II, Division Three NAI level. And you got to find that out real quick. And 
and just do the best you can for these kids. Yeah, I had a guy ask me today, you know, what's the difference in coaching a kid now and maybe 20 years ago or 10 years ago? Actually, I'm only 44, so I didn't coach too many kids 20 years ago. But but what's the difference between coaching a kid now and, and 10 years ago? And, and really, it's social media. Uh, kids are the same, right? I mean, it's been the same ever since God created Adam and Eve and they had Cain and Abel. But the, the difference is, I think, is social media – and now a parent can get frustrated. A kid can get frustrated because they see, oh, this kid's getting this, but I'm not getting this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and so it's, we, we live in that state of kind of like jealousy. Well, I'm jealous that they're getting something I'm not, where I'm just as good as them, but I'm not getting this. You know, in reality, all we can really control is ourselves. And all we can really control is, you know, becoming the very best ber- version of ourselves. But when we get on social media and we start looking at that stuff and this guy's got this and this guy's got that, you know, I mean, it, in any walks of life, it could cause you to have issues. But it's really just that's the thing, man, being content, being being where your feet are, right, being happy with yourself. And I, I think that's a huge difference. And I think that social media kind of drives like a little bit of jealousy and you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, talk about as a coach real quick, like what your day's like right now, because you're, you're a head football coach and everybody thinks that we don't do anything when it's not football season. And, but you're a head football coach right now. You're trying to get your team, just their mindset of work and let's keep getting after it. Cause you got to get better every single day, but you have one of the top quarterbacks in the country and you can't even sit down during the day because of all these college coaches are, they're just coming Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you're exactly right. I was joking with a couple of my coaches today. I was telling them I needed a I needed a secretary. I mean, it's it's out of control, especially the month of January when it's you know the open time for the guys to come around. And yeah, it's very it can be frustrating. I mean, it takes up you know your entire day. You know, my wife was joking with me yesterday, asking why are you coming home at seven 30 and during the off season? I'm like, cause I don't get anything done between eight and four at, you know, when I'm here at the school, it's just nonstop people coming in, but you know, that's why we do this. At least that's why I do it. I want to make sure that I give these kids all the opportunities that they can possibly get. I, I want to make sure I spend the time needed with these coaches, answering the questions that they need and, and giving them all the things that they need, transcripts, all of that. And I'm fortunate, you know, I, the setup that I have here at Houston County is is phenomenal. I have a great admin and you know, I don't I've got two classes that I teach and that's when I have all my players. We have them all sixth and seventh period. So, you know, I like for the guy for, for the colleges to come around. Uh, they can come around during that time, but I'm going to spend the first five to ten minutes with my guys every day talking about our core values, talking about our culture and the are uh, the things that we go that we go over in the off season but it, it is it can be exhausting but at the same time i think it's very rewarding when you see that kid that gets his first offer and you know you have your principal send you a a video of you know the camera that's in the gym and you see the kid sprint out of there fist pump because he's fired up because he because he got his first offer at western kentucky i mean those are the things that you know really make you proud as a coach and also make you it's very rewarding but the the social media thing I wish I didn't have to be on it 
I think there's some advantages of it. I get, I, I'm able to keep in touch with a lot of people that I went to high school with. I haven't seen in a long time. So that's an advantage, but you're right. When it comes to kids these days, I think a lot of kids play and do things for the likes. And a lot of kids like recruiting. They don't love football. They love all the attention. They don't love football. And then when it, when, when all that goes away and they show up at that, that respective school, you know, they can't handle it. And they're back home real quick. So I do think that, that obviously we use Twitter as a way or social media as a way to promote our program, to promote our players, you know, but I wish that, we, that I didn't have to be on. And I wish I could have done a 21-day fast of social media like my wife did here this last, these last 21 days, but I, I can't because I just – I've gotten to be on there for my guys. Yeah, you can't do that. That's for sure. That's the way the recruiting world works. I'm going to shift gears right here. So – One reason I started doing this podcast a long time ago was, is I kept trying to find podcasts where, man, like, you know, you can find the leadership podcast and they talk talk about be how great you are, you know, live your best life and all that kind of stuff. Or you can find the X and O podcast or, you know, there's all different types of podcasts, right? So, but I could never find a podcast that kind of blended in like being Christian football coach and the challenges of that and really pursuing excellence as a football coach and the challenges of that. And then the mix of, you know, pursuing Christ, but we're trying to win and it's hard for winning not to become our God and our identity and success. And we're chasing glory, you know, and man, we can get so lost so fast, even being a Christian, even reading your Bible every day, like, man, we can just, Man, be wake up and we're completely in left field and don't and doesn't don't even know what happened. And so, what I wanted to do was start a podcast where we interview a lot of great coaches and learn football, but also I try to kind of interview coaches for the most part that have a belief in Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean that that person's a perfect person. It means that he knows he's lost and he needs a savior and he's striving to live for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so talk about you and your experience with that, you know, as you went from just, just in your, your walk, as you've been to a lot of different places as a coach, your wife has moved a lot of different places. You've moved your family a lot of different places. And as you go to new places, that's a lot of stress, right? You're building a program. I can't imagine, you know, you go from Warner Robins to Houston County and you got to build that program. And I know that's hard because I'm going through it here right at Hebron, Hebron Christian Academy, because I've only been here in my my second year. So just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's, I am certainly a work in progress. You know, I, growing up, you know, I was the, my family was a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday church, you know, family. And my, my dad, you know, taught Sunday school. And, you know, I felt like, honestly, coach, I go to college and I think it happens to a lot of people. I lost my way. Over the last couple of years, I've lost my way. You know, I, I've done a lot and said a lot of things that I wish that I could take back. I've got a lot of regrets. I think that's the beauty of being a Christian and being born again is that we are all forgiven for our many sins. And I've got a lot of them and a lot of things I'm not proud of. Over this season, I felt like there was a giant 
burden on my on my shoulder. There was a tons of expectations with the amount of talent we had this past year and and kids that were highly recruited and and as a team, I don't feel like I did a good job of one of our core values is brotherhood and and the power of the unit and loving one another and playing for one another. And I allowed a lot of individuality to go on and I allowed a lot of selfishness to go on. And I, I allowed myself to, you know, get into a dark place. I didn't have a whole lot of fun this past season. Now, I know that sounds bad. And a lot of people think well, that's ridiculous because we went nine and three. And a lot of people would be happy with that. But I, when we lost that last game, I look, I remember looking around after our game and looking at our players and, and I just felt like that the connection was not as good as it was the year before. I don't feel like we were as hungry as we once were. And so I really feel like, you know, the game was up at Woodward Academy and my wife's family's up there. So she stayed up there with my little girls and I went home and we got a new, we got a dog and he didn't talk to me. Right. So I can't get any advice from him. And I really was at, I was at a rock bottom coach, an absolute rock bottom. And I felt like I just, I was crying out to the Lord and all I could do is just drop to my knees and pray. And honestly, I, I, we had a staff meeting when we got back to school and I told all my guys, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to clean this up. We're not going to use any kind of language anymore. I've allowed it to go on. I didn't, I didn't want it to go on and I've just allowed it to go on. I've been the problem. I've been the problem. And I've really, you know, got into the word. I've got into, you know, I've, I've got a close friend who is our, our team chaplain, who is my pastor. And I've, I've got him to start a Bible study with our coaches. And I went back and I read your book that I bought years ago, Demand Excellence, which has helped me tremendously. And that's one reason why I reached out to you, Coach, because uh, that was influential. And I just feel like I was at a at a place in my life where I had allowed football to become my God. And my identity was 100% tied up in football and being a football coach to the point where we won the state championship in 2020, and I remember not even enjoying it. I was thinking, all right, who do we play next? Yeah. Like, when do I get the film for the next one? And we had just we just played a great game and and beat a really good team. And then my second year, we went back to back, and it was like I didn't enjoy it. It was never enough. I felt like it was never it was never enough. And I remember getting emotional after we won in 2020, thinking, that's it? Like that. I wanted that my whole life, and and now we want it, and I just like that's it, and I felt like something was wrong with me, and I definitely felt like that those seventy two hours at my house when it was just me after the season ended this year, I felt like God was moving in my heart, and I have a very close friend that was the head coach here that's become my very close friend and sort of a mentor to me when it comes to my spiritual side and that's Von Lasseter. I don't know if you know coach Lasseter, but yeah. He's been he's been great. I can always pick up the phone and he can and he'll help me. And he he wants to talk to me about football and I want to talk to him about Jesus. And that's our friendship and he's helped me out tremendously and again a work in progress, but things are going in the right direction. I feel 
at peace right now more than I ever have. I, I, I tell my guys now, I don't know if we'll win another football game around here, but I do know that I'm going to love you and we're going to do things the right way. And I, I apologize to them for some of the ways that I've acted. I haven't been a great example for them at times. And I've just, I feel like that's my, that's my job more than, more than winning coach. My job is to be a great example for them, a great example of a Christian and live the right way. And so again, I've, I've, uh, I, I, I'm just at peace. That's all I can explain. I, I'm at peace right now. <clears throat> no, that's great. You know, one, I was listening to a sermon one time and I think about this all the time and it was, it was, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. And the pastor said that, you know, like if you pursue that idol and a lot of times we talk about we're like pursuing that idol. Well, sometimes you don't know what you're doing, right? You're chasing something and you're in pursuit of it, but you don't, you can't articulate this is my idol. Right. And you're just doing what you think is right. And, and so that's why they call it lost. Like we're lost. Like we're doing what we think is right, but it's not right. So we're chasing that idol. And he said this, sometimes God will give you that idol just so he can show you what a worthless God it is. And you, you talk to that because, you know, you're, you're chasing that state championship. There's nothing you want more than that state championship. And, and it's, it's so silly, really, because they give you just this little old trophy when you win it. And it's not even a big deal. And no, I'm just kidding. But like you see when they win the national championship in college, it's this big old thing. But right. <clears throat> so you're chasing just to get that trophy. And it's really what we're chasing is that glory that comes with it. But then you get it and you realize this. I don't it's not it's not what I thought it was going to be. And then you kind of just you kind of sink and you kind of go into this depressed state because everything that you put your life into which is, you know, the glory that comes with a state championship. It wasn't what it should have been. And, and, you, and then you just talk to how God turns you a little bit like, man, the glory and the joy is in the relationships right. that God gives us, right? God, God didn't give us, I mean, he gives us money to live off of, but he didn't mean for us to just go chase riches. He, like God is a God of relationship and he's created creatures who are creatures of relationship. The joy is in the kids. The joy is in the coaching staff and in the pursuit together. And when the brotherhood that you talked about, and when we get our eyes off of that, that's when it becomes misery. But, you know, the root of all of that is taking our eyes off Christ. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, 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 again, I just, it's just one of those, I think I just, it was kind of a humbling experience for me, you know, something that I feel like that, you know, wasn't fun at the time. I mean, again, you know, you talk about winning the state championship, you talk to the kids about it and you just, you didn't get there. We we did, you know, we 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 played one less game than we did the year before. So you feel like you're you disappointed everybody. You feel like you disappointed those kids and 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 you disappoint your coaching staff and yourself and your community. And yeah, I just feel like that at the end of the day, coach, you know, we're all gonna have to retire, you know, at some point. And when I don't when you can't win another game, sometimes you can kind of push things aside and and hide things with the way that you act. And, you know, it's okay to be 
you know, a jerk every now and again because you won games. So people look at you, that's okay because he's a good football coach and he wins games or he scores a lot of points. But at the end of the day, when that ends, is everybody going to remember you as a good person that made an impact on people and lived for Jesus Christ? Or are you the type of person that was just a jerk? (laughs) So what's my legacy going to be? You know, am I actually sharing the word? Am I sharing, you know, what God can do for them? And, you know, and using my platform as a leader, as a, as a, as a Christian leader. And you know, I don't push it on the kids. And, you know, I think that there's a level of in public schools where you, you know, that you can't do things like that, but we pray. And, you know, I tell these guys, I have an open door policy, but I just want to be a better person. I want to be a better example at times, especially when adversity, you know, that's another thing that I found. I'm like, we talk a lot about adversity with these kids and how to handle adversity and choosing your response. And, you know, I found myself feeling like a fraud coach, like a hypocrite. Like I'm telling you guys, I'm giving you all this great advice that I've studied, that I've, I've read and I put together and I can't even do it myself. So I just sat there really, I mean, in tears for 72 hours, didn't talk to anybody, but my dog and really just, came to the conclusion that I, I I need Jesus. And that's the only way that I'm going to feel any type of, you know, peace in my heart because this, this coaching thing will just rip you apart and win or lose is just never enough. And I got three little girls and, and, uh, you know, I, I can't bring it home. I've got to make sure that I check my emotions at the door. We have a bad practice. I've got to be better for them because they don't care. Now they do care. They cry when we lose. My girls love ball, but at the same time, like I'm still dad to them. They think I'm great. So it doesn't matter if we get shut out and, and all that good stuff. So it's, um, it's a great thing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm growing as a Christian. I, I feel like I, like I said, I was a, I was lost for a while and I put a lot of things you know, with more importance than my relationship with him and made a lot of changes within the last year. But I've really made a change personally with my relationship with Jesus. And I just feel like that it's going to help me carry on no matter how successful I am as a football coach. So I'm just thankful for that. Very cool. Two things I was thinking about as we wrap it up, as you were talking, you know, like God put you in a situation there where you were 72 hours you know, isolated with the only two people that are going to love you unconditionally. And that's your dog and Jesus Christ. So, um, (laughs) you know, dog, he's going to love you no matter what. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if you win or lose. He just wants you to feed him. And, and then I, I, you know, I was, you know, I hadn't, I haven't put out any of the podcast yet, but I did interview another coach today. And then just another guy for, for when we do start putting the podcast out, and and you talk. It's funny how God works because you talked about the one of the guys I interviewed talked about the importance of having a friend to talk to, and you talked about that guy being Von Lasseter for you. Like you had an outlet, you had somebody that you could connect with, and then and then the other coach that I interviewed, man, he really struggled with what you were talking about, just the anxiety and the stress and it's expectations. That, that's the great word that you used right there. And in reality, nobody puts more expectations on you than you. And then 
you're feeling what you want that it's almost like we're feeling from other people what we already feel. And man, it's just, you can't live up to that because you can't, you can't please everybody. You can't even please yourself. And it's, that's where this is, this is the great challenge of life. You know, where, where Jesus says, come to me, all you are, who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I always wondered what yoke was because we associate it with eggs, but it's really what the cows wore around their necks to make them go straight. And, and so I thought about that and that's how we live our lives. Right. It's like, we got that weight. You talked about that weight. And, but sometimes I'm in prayer and I'm like, Lord, I, I still have the yoke around my neck and I still got a lot of burdens Mm -hmm. and, but it's really cool that, we can take that to him. Like, like I think people think that that God is this God and he's just judging you, right? He's just going to smack you down, but no, I can go to God in prayer and I can lay down my sin to him. Like, Lord, I am struggling with this. Lord, I can't do this. You know, just like you you would want your girls to come to you and be like, dad, I'm struggling, dad, I can't do this. And then what are you going to do as a dad? You're going to do everything in your power to help. But we serve a God who can actually, sometimes we can't help as a, as a, as an earthly father. You, we serve a God who can help us and he's not judging us because he's already died for that stuff. And so just the confidence that we can have as, as we go forward and, you know, so, so as we wrap it up, man, I, what, and you might've already said this two things, how can you guys be better in 2024? And then, I mean, obviously you talked about, you know, just being better with what you already said, but let's just talk about schematically. What can you be better in 2024 to 2024? And then what piece of advice would you give to a young coach and, and, to, as he grows up, I mean, there you were, Boss Fire, OC, North U, North Paulding, Cairo. I mean, you've been everywhere. What what advice would you give to that 23, 24, 25-year-old out there who's trying to make his way? So first, what could you get? How can you be better in 2024? Give advice to a young coach out there. 2024 for us, I feel like, you know, as a team, we lost 37 seniors this past season. So we've got a lot to replace. So far, three weeks into our off-season program, I feel like that our kids are back to being hungry and humble. There, it just seems, and then it's not a knock on our twenty-three team. It's a great, great bunch of guys and a great bunch of seniors. But I feel like we had a lot of, we had a lot of guys with getting a lot of accolades and things like that. I feel like this feels, this one, you know, feels like a team, more of a team. They're they're working hard. You know, schematically, you know, I think we're not really going to, we're not going to change, you know, offensively we do, we do defensively, we do, we do. And, you know, special teams, we try and, you know, get ourselves great field position and be the most prepared on special teams in regards to our game plan and the meeting time we put forth into it. You know, we put an awful lot of time into special teams. They got a great coordinator on that side of the ball, but yeah, I think it's just getting, getting back to being, being hungry you know, and, and playing, playing for the guy next to you. You know, we got to get back to that. You know, one of our program drivers is, you know, we talk about attack, attitude, and brotherhood. And that brotherhood piece, I think we got to ramp up. 
you know, we're an attack offense and, and we're an attack defense. And, you know, our attitude, we always preach one and no mentality and so play the next play. But we got to do a great job of, you know, we're going to do some things this offseason where we're going to get together in small groups with our guys and have them talk, you know, some team talks and things like that. To, and, and really have coaches that don't coach those guys work with those guys. So building a little bit more of a bond with our team, I think is going to take us a long way. We we play a tough schedule, so we got our work cut out for us for sure. But I would say that's going to be the biggest thing is getting back to, you know, being confident. When I took the job in 23, uh, they didn't have a whole lot of confidence. We built their confidence. They were hungry. So just getting back to the basics, I guess. As far as advice, I would say for, you know, any young coaches, you know, find that, keep your circle small. You know, I'm a firm believer in keep your circle small. And I don't mean, you know, don't share ideas and talk to people and all that stuff when it comes to scheme. But, you know, I mentioned Coach Lasseter, find that that person that, you know, that cares about you. It's not just looking, you know, to be transactional. That's one thing I can say about him is, you know, he always worked on me to try to help me. He didn't push things on me, but he was always there for me. He's always been an example of, of how I want to be, you know, as a Christian coach. And so I think it's really neat how he's able to kind of build relationships with his kids. And I just, I really just kind of admired him. So, but get around good coaches, be a sponge. You got to be a great teacher in order for the kids to understand what you're trying to do. I don't think it's, um, you know, scheme and stuff is overrated. We all know you got to have good players. And uh, as a young coach, you got to know where the light switch is. You know, when I say that, you know, there is no job that you can't do. You're going to do any job that's asked of you. You got to know how to turn the lights on, where the light switch is. No, You know, you might be the first one there, the last one to leave. You know, put your head down, always, you know, try to get better. You know, we've got young coaches now that, you know, in the offseason, they come around, they just want to talk ball. That's how I was when I was younger. I just... When I was a student coach, I knew I wasn't going to make any any money. I didn't care. I was there every Sunday. I did everything that they asked me to do. And I think that's the only way that you can kind of make a name for yourself and move up. So, you know, that's that would be my best advice for, for a young coach. Absolutely. Well, Coach, it was awesome, man. I'm sitting here taking notes. I love that. Know where the light switch is. I've never heard that. That was awesome. But definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast and talking. I'd love to pray for us as we head out. And man, I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you, Coach. Lord, we're coming for you today. Just want to praise and thank you for loving us. Just praise and thank you for who you are, Lord. You meet us where we are. And sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we get sidetracked. We don't mean to get lost. We don't mean to get sidetracked. We don't mean to make more of this game than we should. We know that it's to be used for your glory, but sometimes we chase our glory. Sometimes we chase winning. Lord, and every time we realize we, we're lost. And Lord, we can lay down before you and, and Lord, and just repent and ask you to redirect us and, and lead us and guide us. And Lord, you answer every single time. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ, Lord. You are a God of mercy and grace and direction. I just pray for Coach, Coach Edwards as he continues to coach there at Houston County. Just, Lord, continue to strengthen him in Christ and grow him in Christ, and may you use him to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Coach, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. God bless you.